At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on v one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Yes, I am. Good Friday morning to you. It is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Slink, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. Jeff Parlay is here as well, producer number eight. This show is jammed. Jam. It's jammed, Jeffrey. Vinny Maliulo at the end, Mark Borchard from an undisclosed location in the desert to talk baseball with us. Dr. Bob with his college football plays. Oh, 11 0, no longer. Had a bad week last week with two picks, but he's already back on the board with a pick uh, earlier this week. He's got college football uh, picks to give us, a couple of them on the way. I think he's, what, 12 and 2 now on the year. Todd Wright on fantasy football. Jeffrey, have you any fantasy football questions? Todd Wright will uh, field them as well, but I will pepper him with some fantasy questions. And Chris Felica, uh, the Bear from ESPN's College Game Day, joins us momentarily to talk college football from wherever he is in this United States of America. Plus, of course, we've got to talk about the game last night between Carolina and Houston. And Jeffrey and I go through our contest entries and who we're picking in the National Football League. First of all, Ryder Cup, the 43rd Ryder Cup, Four matches taking place already. Uh, three going the way of the U.S. currently. Cantlay and Shoffley, uh, four up on McElroy and Poulter through four. They're crushing them. Kepka and Berger, Daniel Berger, one up on Westwood and, Fats- and Fitzpatrick through six. DJ and Morikawa now one up over Casey and Hovland uh, through seven. I believe that one is turned towards the United States. And the only one that the USA is losing right now to Team Europe is uh, John Rahm and Sergio Garcia, who are two up on the BFFs, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, two up on them through eight. That one largely perhaps can be traced to JT and Spieth not conceding a two-footer earlier. <laughs> and then Rahm and Spieth saying, oh, really? Is that, is that how you guys want to play this? We are to crush you now. So anyway, Ryder Cup... Uh, shenanigans happening right now. Do we have Mr. Felica on the phone? Do we have him? We do. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bear from ESPN's College Game Day and, of course, Daily Wager and the Stanford Steve of the Bear podcast. How you doing, Chris? Bear is here. It sounds like the uh, we're having the, the Ryder Cup a couple of years ago over in France. Special, a special, little, little, little special treatment for the <laughs> leaflet members, Chris, if you know what I mean. Special <laughs> treatment. Exactly. I'm sorry you're not able to open your show with the, uh, with the Juan Soto soliloquy this morning. Oh, that's I'm coming, sorry Chris. i that I have to be your first guest. Okay. Oh, I'm going to make sure I tune in. <laughs> that's like, you know, you're on to me. You know me so well. <laughs> did, you, did you bet anything in the Ryder Cup at all? Ultimately, uh, yeah, I, I, I bet uh, Finau to be the top U.S. point getter and Casey to be the top European point getter. That, that, that's all I. Uh, that's all I played. Okay, let's start with college football. Let's start with last night. Uh, Appalachian State ends up beating Marshall thirty-one to thirty, and I just want to take a moment as a guy who talks about you know coaches not knowing what the hell to do in games week after week, both on a pro and college level, to salute. Uh, Charles Huff, the head coach of Marshall, and Sean Clark, the head coach of Appalachian State, who got in this thing at the end of the game where Marshall was like, all right, the only way we're winning this is if we let them score, let them go eight, and at least we'll get the football back and have a shot at this. 
And Appalachian State, Sean Clark was like, uh, here's the thing. They're going to try to let us score. Don't you score. And so it ends up it ends up ending up 31 to 30. <laughs> Both coaches doing exactly what they were supposed to do. And all these betters out there who were, you know, who had App State and are like, hey, what a bad beat for us. Please stop it. Please stop it. No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, and I and one more thing, because we had a tweet about this this morning. I want to give this gentleman a shout out because this is also a good point. Uh, this is from a sharp consultant out there who says, he goes, Gil, uh, the decision by App State last night not to score at the end of the game at least showed for one game that winning was more important than the boosters. I realize different than the situation uh, you've called out where a game is in hand, just an observation. He's absolutely right. There's a game where all they cared about was winning. I appreciate it. Okay, we'll just leave that out there. Right. Yes. No, 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 no. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was a, a question or a statement or if you're looking for my, uh, my, my, my thought there. Sorry. Just, just me talking to myself, Chris. Uh, all Perfect. right. What do you, what do you like this weekend best? What have you bet? Uh, five things, uh, stood out to me this week. Uh, the first one was tonight. Uh, I like Syracuse getting me a six and a half against Liberty and, uh, I'd like play them on the money line as well. I don't think people understand, like realize, like going through the numbers, like Syracuse in terms of like expected points on, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're a top twenty-five defense right now. Uh, their offensive line has played much better from what they played uh, last year. This, the sack rate has gone way down, and that's been a massive problem for uh, for Dino Babers' team. Again, is it real or is it fraudulent? Uh, they played Ohio, they played Albany, and they played Rutgers. So there's a chance the numbers really are just kind of phony. But at the same time, I, Liberty's been really kind of unimpressive this year to me. Uh, I think they're kind of a one-man show with Malik Willis. So uh, but I don't think they're going to go up to the Dome and win by more than a touchdown. So uh, I took Syracuse plus the 6.5. I took Mississippi State on the money line and plus the 2.5 against LSU. Uh, I don't think Stingley's going to play. But you're looking at an LSU defense that's allowed – uh, nearly eight yards of play in a loss to, uh, to UCLA. I don't think what they did against Central Michigan and McNeese State really masks anything. Uh, the last six times they've been favored against the Power 5 team, basically since that national championship game uh, that they've won, they're 3-3. Three and three. So they, I, I think the perception in the public eye about LSU, they still have the, the bright eyes of the 2019 season and Coach O and LSU, O Tigers, but the reality is, is they're not the same team. And I like Mississippi State. Uh, in conjunction with that, I like UTSA plus the points and on the money line against Memphis. Uh, Memphis should not have won that game last week. Uh, they got two non-offensive touchdowns, a terrible, uh, a terrible officiating gaffe. Uh, they were outgained by 220-something yards, had like 11 first downs in the game. Uh, UTSA is the best team in Conference USA, uh, in my opinion. So uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Roadrunners plus the points and on the money line there. Uh, I like North Carolina uh, laying the 12 uh, against Georgia Tech. Uh, we saw Clemson's offense really struggle last week um, against Georgia Tech, which is not a, a, a great thing. And I, and I think UNC has the, uh, the offense going now after where we were uh, in the opening loss at Virginia Tech. Uh, I, I, think, I, I don't think that the young quarterback – if Georgia Tech is going to be able to match uh, North Carolina and the offense, Sam Howell uh, is going to be able to put up there. So I like I like uh, UNC laying the points. And then there's one more that I like. I just totally forgot what it was right now. I'm going to, I'm going to look at it. Oh, there it is. Campbell's soup can. Uh, there you go. You're back. All right. 
By the way, let me just oh, say, as, as you peruse that, let me just say, uh, Dr. Bob's going to be on in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, uh, and he's going to give us two picks. One of the picks that he, he will not give us, but that he likes as well, was Syracuse tonight. That's not one of his two oh, picks that he's given us tonight, but he is on Syracuse as well. All right, what's your last one? And, 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 I, and the last one I had to remember, it's the stink line of the week. It's Nebraska plus the five, five and a half, whatever it is, uh, at Michigan State. I've been asked about this game more than any game uh, this week. Why is, why is Michigan State only a four and a half or a five point favorite over in Nebraska? They should kill Nebraska. Well, I, the power ratings and the odds makers know that the game at Michigan State with Miami last week was a, a three point game in the fourth quarter. And so Miami turned the ball over twice inside the, deep inside their own territory. Uh, they know that Northwestern might just flat out stink, and, and that's two of their wins. And I think they see uh, improvement from Nebraska uh, in how they played and how they played Oklahoma last week. Uh, they, they they see the Illinois game as kind of an outlier. It was just an abomination of turnovers and, and penalties and bad decisions. So I think I think the power ratings understand that Nebraska is better than their record, and Michigan State probably isn't as good as that three and zero. So Nebraska plus the points is my. Uh, my final play. I was hoping I was going to be able to get six on this game, but it, but it doesn't. But it doesn't look like I would. Uh, I would uh, take that. By the way, I got a, a chiming in from the uh, the front row, the front right seat, Mr. Kirk Street saying he might just do money line on that as well. So, uh, and Nebraska wins outright. That's that's a, that's the Kirk Street prediction. Kirk just There's told you that. Extra. He just goes Nebraska yeah, money Kirk, line. Kirk, 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 Kirk says Nebraska money line. So I think I think we'll have to. Uh, have to go there as well. Dude, are you and Kirk aware that you're betting on Scott Frost? Are you guys aware of that? Or <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, 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 I think we are. I know you and a couple people probably disagree with that, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm not involved, to be honest. I am not involved, <laughs> full disclosure, in that particular game. Where are you guys this week, by the way, for game day? Where are you calling me from? Okay, game, game, we're pulling into like the Soldier Field area right now. Beautiful. Game day is in Chicago. Game day is in Chicago. Uh, for the pre Notre Dame Wisconsin, and then after the show, Kirk and I will head to uh, to uh, Oklahoma for the uh, Oklahoma West Virginia primetime game. What a life! What a life! Shout pretty out. good, huh? Yeah, pretty good. By the way, how how do you feel about Notre Dame Wisconsin? Uh, given that game um, day is there, six and a half point spread on the Badgers uh, as the favorite. I don't feel I don't feel comfortable really either way. Uh, I can see a lowish point a point total on the game. Like 24 probably wins it. I think you give Jimmy Leonard and that Wisconsin defense an extra week to prepare for a quarterback who they're familiar with and Jack Cohen in Notre Dame against a bad offensive line. Uh, that, that's a recipe for uh, for a low-scoring game there. And then Wisconsin has been, uh, of the 130 teams in the FBS, they're 128th in red zone scoring percentage, which you just don't see from Wisconsin normally. They've got nearly as many t- t- turnovers in the red zone three as they do touchdowns four. So it's something that we're really not used to seeing from Wisconsin. Maybe tomorrow will be the day they come out of their offensive shell. But I, I can I can see this being like a 24-20 type game tomorrow. All right, 20 seconds. Will NC State, if not upset Clemson, will they flirt perhaps with an upset? I think they will flirt. I, I just don't think Clemson's problems are – fixable right now easily with the roster that they have. Uh, the offensive line is bad. They're inexperienced. They're running back. They're really counting on Shipley to, to be something. I'm not sure that he is. They don't have that slot wide receiver. There's no threat of a quarterback run with Uyunglele. And I, I, I don't I mean, Dave Doran's teams have typically struggled against top 10 teams, but it would not surprise me tomorrow, again, to see Clemson in a, in a four-quarter game. Okay. 
Chris Velika, everybody, the bear, with Kirk Herbstreet chiming in. And tell Kirk we said hello. Appreciate it, Chris. I will. All right, man. The bear. Give it us his college football picks. We'll have them all in the newsletter. Uh, it is a numbers game brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Right here at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Fantasy Football next. Football season is here, and it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app today. It won't take you but a few seconds. And stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. And start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada, whatever your sport, whatever your betting style. You're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Skill Alexander, ladies and gentlemen, he's the greatest radio host of all time. Uh, the legendary All Night with Todd Wright back in the day on ESPN Radio. Now he's got the Todd Wright Toddcast, the Todd Wright Fantasy Football Podcast. Coincidentally, here to talk fantasy with us, the great Todd Wright. With his beautiful face, everybody, for just the second time ever on the show. How you doing, Todd? Yeah, it was, uh, what, 11 months ago, leading up to a November, no, uh, 10 months ago, leading up to a November Masters we last tried this. So welcome That's to my right. kitchen. And then last time you had this big thing behind you, and now it's, we're in his kitchen. I like the football in the back there as well. All right, Todd, we have plenty to get to, so I want to get to it real quick. Um, one, Jeff, let's start with a question from you because you're so kind to say, hey, if the VEASAN crew has any questions. So, Jeff, what's yours? All right, yeah. Todd, good morning. Uh, good, good, good morning, to see your face today. Uh, let's look at the Dolphins real quick. Uh, Tua Valo is out. Jacoby Brissett is in. It has been pretty wayward for those skill position players through the first two weeks, is it still a avoid those guys with Brissett in there, or are you more inclined to look at those skill position players this week because Brissett is in instead of Tua? One, Jeff, I love your voice. I love your voice on VEASAN. Um, I'm a big fan of yours. Second, um, yeah, I, I like wayward. Uh, it's more meandering at this point. I don't know that there was a lot of value in Dolphins with Tua until further notice. And now that even takes a little bit of a step down. I get if you have to use Gaskin in a running back role, you're using him until further notice. And maybe because Brissett is in there, Gaskin has maybe a touch more value right now. But I don't know about anybody else. I'm not rostering any Dolphins in any leagues right now until further notice. He's like a young Kevin Harlan, Todd. That's the voice we're, we're cultivating here with Jeff. Can we Harley. get him to say, oh, baby, what a play? Because Kevin <laughs> Harlan to say that when he did what Kansas City Chiefs games yeah. he doesn't do that anymore but that was kind of his signature call when he was local to the Chiefs yeah I, in fact I remember him actually saying that many times in the past someone, someone got to him Todd they made him change yeah. his mind on that all right You're bad he went at work and he got ruined he it got, happens, all. <laughs> happens all the time all right so this is a question I think we ask annually we're two weeks into the season and there's a lot of people bitching and moaning they're like ah oh, this guy stinks I want to get rid of him uh to that you say what um, if the, well, one of two things is going on. One is operator error. Uh, you own a player you shouldn't have drafted in a starting position, uh, early in the draft. So it's your fault and you need to take accountability for it. The other thing might be the players just off to a slow start and it can happen, you know, much is made 
on the field in the NFL, if you're off to a zero and two start, how difficult it is to come back and be a Super Bowl contender. It's not in fantasy football. So some players who do get off to a zero and two start, uh, it uh, evens out over time. So be patient if you're if you're of the belief you did not make an operator error and draft a player you shouldn't have drafted, especially um, to be a starter like a an RB1 wide receiver one, RB2 wide receiver two. Couple other macro points before we get to some specifics. Uh, one, you've you've been at the forefront of these. You know, having tight ends is not a thing. I'm sure you have numbers to back that up again this week. And the other thing is, and we don't talk about this as much. You think PPR is is a relic and shouldn't be part of fantasy anymore? Yeah, none of my leagues use it. Um, the podcast league doesn't use it. The foundation league, my personal league, doesn't use it. Um, PPR was created in the 20th century to bump up pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends because the game was so run-dominated. The game is not run-dominated anymore. Um, Derrick Henry is an alien. Um, He was normal in the 90s. Um, He's not anymore. Um, Last week in my standard scoring settings, twice as many pass catchers, wide receivers or tight ends, scored double-digit points than running backs. So why do they need an extra bump when there's twice as many of them scoring double digits as running backs. I don't understand it. If you're going to evolve with the NFL and evolve with technology, why is PPR still used? I do not understand it, and that's why I do not use it. And the tight end thing, only three tight ends worthwhile this past week, Kelsey, Gronk, and Hawkinson, and Gronk is like a, a crapshoot on a weekly basis? No, he's he's a hot craps table oh, right okay. now. He's a hot craps table, so to make the Vegas analogy – you go back to Super Bowl 55, Gronk scored, what, the first two touchdowns of the game, or two of the first three. Gronk's now scored two touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, so he's a hot craps table. And I'm saying this even about a tight end, but he's with Tom Brady. And the Bucks don't know, they're not scoring touchdowns with running backs. There's still enough to go around for Godwin, and Evans had two last week. Now Antonio Brown's on the COVID list. You, you cannot, you cannot, Get away from Gronk right now. It's like leaving a hot craps table. You just don't do it until Gronk craps out. And eventually he will crap out. That will happen. Derrick Henry, you brought him up, so I will I will dovetail off that. Uh, there were a lot of folks who might have been worried about Derrick Henry on their team. Not to worry anymore, huh? Well, yeah. So Titans add Julio Jones, right? Big offensive weapon. Okay, so that's fewer touches for Derrick Henry. Titans lose Arthur Smith. He goes to whatever he's doing in Atlanta with the Falcons. It doesn't look good through two games. So I think there were fantasy owners who early in the first round passed on Derrick Henry. Now, there's also this out there every year. Well, Henry is going to break down because he's carried the ball so much. Uh, Yeah. Well, he got off to a very slow start this season and even a slow start in the Seattle game, Gil, and then just exploded. I mean, his three touchdowns were scored three different ways. One you know, a, a run to the right, and he was just patient and brought it back to the left. Another was, what, a 60-plus yard run, and then he had a short touchdown. He touched the ball, if you include his receptions, where he had, I think, six. He touched the ball 41 times. Julio Jones touched it six times. So for anyone who passed on Derrick Henry, maybe after McCaffrey at number one and let, and let Henry slide to, like, pick five, six, maybe even further than that, 
that's bad on your part because Derrick Henry is an alien and he's still the, the fantasy horse that most of us have appreciated the last few years. We talked about people overreacting after two weeks of fantasy football. Give me a player, though, that you feel legitimately is a sell-high guy right at this point. Uh, it's uh, for second year in a row, it's Lockett in Seattle. I mean, Lockett owners know this from last year. If you were a Lockett owner, you loved him in September. And by late October, November, you were wondering whether you even start him. He was my wide receiver two last week, only behind Cooper Cup. He has three touchdowns. He's cranking out big plays. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and look at the team. You know Lockett isn't wide receiver one on the Seahawks. It's DK Metcalf. So this is not going to continue. If you drafted Lockett to be a wide receiver two or wide receiver three, and someone in your league, maybe with Russell Wilson or a Seahawks fan, wants to give you wide receiver one value in return for Lockett, you sell high. Now, if you're a Josh Allen owner, how what, what's your level of uneasiness? What should your level of uneasiness be right now? He was the number one player in my scoring settings last year, Gil, even ahead of Mahomes. I mean, the top 10 were quarterbacks in my scoring settings, and I even I tick up one point per 30 yards passing, not 25. Uh, because it's such a pass-heavy lead, again, involving my scoring settings. Um, it's too early to call him a disappointment, but, I mean, he's not producing as a top-10 quarterback right now. Um, my concern is and he, there's one tight game against the Steelers and then a blowout against the Dolphins, so we'll see what happens against Washington this week. But I'm concerned that running backs are scoring fantasy-wise. That didn't happen with Josh Allen last year. Josh Allen got those rushing points, whether it was yardage or touchdowns. The Moss two touchdowns last week. It's a little bit of a concern, but uh, yeah, and, and Diggs's numbers reflect that Josh Allen isn't as explosive. The one red flag from the analytics is in the first two weeks, Josh Allen is extremely inaccurate again on passes of 10 to 25 yards. I know Trevor Lawrence leads the league in uncatchable balls, but Allen's inaccuracy on throws of 10 to 25 yards is a concern through two weeks. Let's face it. He's a good player. It's a good team. You just want to see him get it straightened out sooner rather than later. We only have a minute left here, uh, Todd. So I give you the floor to rail against one of uh, one of your favorite people to rail against, Mike Zimmer. What do you got? Well, um, zero and two start, uh, despite him saying he had no concerns about his job security. Um, and... The, I've, I've said from the beginning this year, the GM, the head coach, and the $45 million cap hit on the quarterback are all gone by next year. Um, even um, the, the former tight end in, uh, in uh, Minnesota, who's with the Giants now, even fired a shot at Zimmer saying, you know, it's nice to play for a head coach who actually cares about all aspects of the team. <laughs> um, it's, it's six offensive coordinators now under Mike Zimmer. So they change schemes roughly every two years. The GM and the coach ran off the quarterback who got them to the NFC title game on the Minneapolis Miracle four years ago. And from a statistical standpoint, they only ran 11 personnel, about 10% of plays last year. This year, they're at about 90% of plays, which is why KJ Osborne is being picked up on waivers and fantasy leagues. It's not a good situation on the field for the Vikings because they are playing exclusively fantasy football right now. Thank you, Todd. Got to run. Todd Wright, everybody. We'll come back. A numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN, the sports betting network. Become a weekend warrior at BetMGM. King of the weekend is a free-to-play challenge where you can win up to $50,000 for correctly picking the highest-scoring pro football teams during that weekend. 
Simply log into your account, find the King of the Weekend contest in your promotion section, then pick the six teams you think will score the most points from the selected games. $1,000 to go to the top entry each week, and if you guess all six in the right order, the grand prize of $50,000 could be yours. Plus, hundreds of dollars in free bets will be awarded to players who come close to a perfect score. Go to your account and try the King of Weekend or the King of the Weekend free-to-play game. New to BetMGM? Download the app today and make weekend football even better. Only at BetMGM, the King of Sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Ryder Cup scores once again uh, three in favor of the U.S. right now. Three of the matches, three of the four matches in favor of the U.S. One in favor of the Europeans. Can't land Shoffley five up on McElroy and Poulter through seven. Uh, Kepka and Berger one up over Westwood and Fitzpatrick through eight. And DJ and Morikawa one up on Casey and Hovland through nine. So those last two, obviously, much more precarious than the Cantlay-Shoffley margin over McElroy and Poulter. But the one uh, that the USA is losing, again, Ramon Garcia, three up over JT and Spieth through 10. And it really did turn, and David Faraday sort of called it, it really did turn when JT and Spieth made uh, Sergio put in a two-footer, didn't concede it. And Sergio, I believe, said, Esta serio? And that was the end of that for the Spanish folks out there. How you doing, Jeffrey? Yeah. No, I, I'm good. I'm just, I'm just laughing at the fact that they made Sergio put that out. And the, immediately after that, <laughs> Rom and Sergio have dominated that match. Karma much? The greatest, they, they make the greatest Ryder Cup player of all time put out for two feet, by the way. Uh, let's talk to uh, one of the great golfers that I know. How about that for a segue? It's the great Bob Stoll, everybody. Dr. Bob, how you doing, Bob? How's your golf game? I'm um, down to a 4.7 index, so oh. but uh, that is going to go up since I don't play golf for six months during football and basketball season. So mm-hmm. I will start the next spring struggling again, but then hopefully we'll we'll get it back down at the end of the. I summer. have faith. I have faith in you. All right, so you came into the show last week and you were 11 and 0, and people are like, "Oh my goodness, the guy's 11 and 0." And you said, you said very honestly, you're like, look, I'm not going to be, this is not sustainable. You can't go undefeated, right? And so two, two bets that, let's face it, they were, they were kind of done by halftime last week. Um, but that was bound to happen. But you're already back on the board this week with a win yesterday? Yeah, I had the over last night. Um, over 50, what was it, 58 and a half. It closed at 59, I think, 59 and a half. And they got to 61 pretty quick early in the fourth quarter, and then they didn't score the rest of the game. But I didn't care. I shut it off and watched Ted Lasso. What's <laughs> 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 the game? Once I won that bet. You know? uh, unless, unless the lights shut off or the lightning came or something stopped it before the 55-minute <laughs> mark, you could watch Ted Lasso for sure. <laughs> just that's, just that's autop- right. autopsying the games last week. Because it was so funny, Bob, because when you come in on a show and you're 11-0, it's funny how People are like, oh, my God, well, I got to play these guys' picks. And, of course, then they come back, and they're inevitably like, of course, when I start playing them, they lose. But when you do the autopsy on those two games, were they legit? I mean, they were pretty legit losses. What, what went wrong, would you say? Yeah, they, oh, they, yeah, they both are. The Pitt-Western-Michigan thing flew over. Um, and, you know, it's just I thought Pitt's defense would be better. Western Michigan hadn't had the big play pass game that they had last year, the best receivers in the NFL now, and, and, and they – you know, they, they, the quarterback had gone back to averaging about 12 yards of completion instead of 18 yards of completion they did last year. So I just thought, oh, Pitt can handle that. <clears throat> it's pretty conservative when they need to be, but they weren't because they had to keep scoring. So that game went flew over. The Army game, 
actually based on the stats, it, you know, it, it would have projected pretty close to the total, but they just converted every third and fourth down and then just marched up and down the field against, against UConn. So, you know, just, yeah, two bad picks that happens. And yeah. people are like, you weren't even close and you yeah. suck and I'm never going to use your service again. I was like, okay. yeah, but of the, of the 11 winners, 10 of those weren't really that close either. Like you, you're getting these plays, Gil. I mean, only one of those was close, man. Um, so it's like, it doesn't matter how close they are. I mean, who cares? I mean, but really what should happen? And, you know, I also had a down week in the NFL and last week, last year, of course, the best NFL season in 30 years of 69% on best bets, which is also ridiculously good. And I won a lot of close games. Um, so that's not going to happen, you know, but, but the, the, the main point is, and I was three and a week one. So people are like, Oh my goodness. But you know, I'm zero and two last week, but I'm still three and two for the season. And more importantly, people say, well, you're due to the people say, well, you're due to lose. If you start the season <laughs> 14 and one overall, I'm like, yeah. I'm not due to lose. I'm due to be whatever my long-term percentage is. Correct. My long-term percentage in college football is 55%, which is as good as it gets. My long-term percentage in, in the NFL, the last six years since I've changed my model and gone to these advanced metrics using play-by-play data, I'm 59.3% over 300 games on best bets in the NFL in six years using this model. I don't think 59% is that sustainable, but I didn't think it was going into last year. I was 69%, so who knows? But nonetheless, I'm not due to lose. I'm due to be profitable going forward, regardless of whether I've won 11 straight or lost 11 straight. That's what people need to understand. I'm not due to do anything. I'm just due to be you know, 55 to 59% going forward. It's That's a, it's my a, long-term yeah, record. Yeah. That's what people need to think, it's think a, about. It's a great betting lesson for everybody, especially folks who are new to betting. By the way, you didn't happen to catch Patrick Cantlay's uh, Ryder Cup uh, talk yesterday. If you didn't, I uh, urge you to seek it out because it's uh, <laughs> similar to this uh, little discussion we're having right here. Let's, uh, let's get to it because we have about uh, four minutes, five minutes. Uh, you have a couple picks you would like to share. What are you, 12-2 and two then on the season in college football? 12-2 and two right now? Well, let's see. 11 and 12 and 2. That's and right. Two. So here's, here's two more. And I've always been good on your show until last week. So I don't know what happened there. But I'm sorry. Maybe the new producer. My fault. Um, <laughs> blame it on him. Parlay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I've been good this year until last week. Uh, yeah, Oregon State's one of them against USC. I just like their offense. USC's defense has not been that great. Uh, they're giving up over seven yards per pass play to opposing starting quarterbacks. Um, and Oregon State switched quarterbacks in the middle of game one. Chance Nolan is now the quarterback. I, and I did some reading. I was like, what is with this guy? Because last year he was mediocre at best when he had three starts in the middle of last year. <clears throat> but I did some reading on him, and he, apparently he dedicated himself in the offseason to studying the Beavers' NFL-style offense, which is very complicated. Last year, from what I read, he would go to his first read and then take off running, and he's a good runner. He averages seven and a half yards every time he runs. But this year, the offensive line's experienced are protecting well, and he's going through all his progressions. He's averaging over nine yards per pass play. And normally when you see that after three games, you're like, well, it must have been a 90-yard bomb or a couple big pass plays. That, that's the reason he's averaging 9.3 yards per pass play. That's not the case at all. His highest pass play of the year is 45 yards, which is actually pretty low after three games. But he's got so many passes between 20 and 45 yards consistently moving the ball down the reading the deep, finding the open guy. So I think, I think he's a real deal. I think this guy's a real deal. And Oregon State, not only can they throw the ball this year, but they've always been a good running team in recent years, and they're averaging six, over six yards per running play and over 200 rushing yards a game. So I think their offense can keep up with USC. Oregon State's got a you know, worse-than-average defense, and 
Uh, Kedon Slovis is back this week for USC. Not that they missed him last week, but he's back. He should have a good game. USC should score lots of points. Oregon State should score lots of points. Uh, I get make it 36-31 USC. Oregon State's getting 11. So I'll, I think it's going to be a single-digit game. So Oregon State plus the points there. Beavers plus 11. That's the late game among the late games on Saturday, 10.30 Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. And number two, sir. Yeah, you know, if you're looking at Rutgers, and I, I like Rutgers going into the season. I thought they were improved. They certainly are. But, I mean, they're they're beating the snot out of teams. and But their offense is – they played some bad teams pretty much, um, except for Syracuse. And they got outgained in that game. I mean, Syracuse, I think, turned it over six times. And Rutgers still only scored 17 points. So there's something wrong with the offense at Rutgers. They're only averaging – as a five something five yards of play, so five five point oh yards per play against three defenses that would allow five point eight to an average team. So they're worse than average offensively. So they're scoring all these points, but they've special teams turnovers. Right now, they've they've averaged ten points of special teams value per game. That is so unsustainable, wow. it's ridiculous. And they're plus eight in turnover margin, which is another eleven points per game. So they've had 21 points of kind of randomness that's helped them out. So Rutgers, a solid team, but Michigan is so good this year. Last year they were two and four, and the problem was the defense, which went from consistently being great to being not good last year, worse than average on a national scale. They changed defense coordinators. They're back to being very good, and the offense is big play after big play. They're not going to keep up with so many big plays. But Washington can run the ball consistently. Their worst running game of the year was 348 yards and 6.3 yards per run, and that was against Washington, who has a really good defense. Uh, Scarlet Knights have a good defense, but it's in their pass defense. They brush the pass well. They don't, they don't allow a lot of completions. But Michigan doesn't need to throw. They don't like to throw. And, and, and Rutgers has been a worse-than-average run defense so far. So I think Michigan's just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and Every once in a while, again, against single coverage on the outside. But Max Melton, Rutgers' best corner, their best defensive player, got suspended for some mischief he got into last week. He's got six passes broken up and two of the team's three interceptions in just three games. He's also blocked a kick. This is, this is the best defensive player. He's out. So they've got one good, one decent corner, and they, Michigan's got two big play receivers. So one of those guys is going to be open on play action. So they'll hit a big play every once in a while and run the ball consistently. So I laid the 20 and a half okay. with Michigan. There you go. Thank you, Dr. Bob. Oregon State and Michigan. DRBobSports.com at DRBobSports. Thank you, Bob. We'll talk next week. All right. Thanks, Bob. Coming back, baseball with Mark Borchard on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Become a weekend warrior at BetMGM. King of the Weekend is a free-to-play challenge where you can win up to $50,000 for correctly picking the highest-scoring pro football teams during the weekend. Simply log into your account and find the King of the Weekend contest in your promotion section. Then pick the six teams you think will score the most points from the selected games. $1,000 will go to the top entry each week, and if you guess all six in the right order... The grand prize of $50,000 could be yours, plus hundreds of dollars in free bets will be awarded to players who come close to a perfect score. Go to your account and try the king of the weekend free-to-play game. New to BetMGM, download the app today and make a weekend football event even better. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. 
Jeffrey Parlay, producer number uh, eight, is here as well, and Mark Borchard standing by. We've gone 45 minutes of this here program, Jeff, this here fine national radio program, and Chris Velika called the shot right out the right out of the shoot. We haven't gushed about Juan Soto yet, ladies and gentlemen. Juan Soto once again reaching base every single at bat last night, every single plate appearance, two homers, uh, a walk, a single. It's just unbelievable what he's doing. And again, we've been beating this drum while you hear people do segments on end about NL MVP and don't even mention Juan Soto. Don't even mention him. Juan Soto is your MVP. He is now down to plus 450 at DraftKings. Bryce Harper right now still the favorite, minus 215. Fernando Tatis Jr., for reasons that are as peculiar as anyone can even imagine, somehow still at plus 250. And then Juan Soto, the greatest player in baseball right now at plus 450. Every day I come on here, and by the way, plus 500 at BetMGM. Every day I come on here and I read a litany of, of tweets about what he's doing and putting, trying to put in perspective what he's doing on a nightly basis for the Washington Nationals. I'll just read a few this time again from Mark Zuckerman. Time to update this one. Juan Soto has now reached base four times in 24 games this season. The only players ever to do it in more games in a season are Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Ted Williams, and Barry Lamar Bonds. I add the Lamar. Juan Soto's NL ranks heading into last night. First in on-base percentage. First in walks. First in average. First in average with runners in scoring positions. Uh, in position. Second in OPS. Second in Fangraph's war, although now he is ahead of Bryce Harper in Fangraph's war. Second in weighted on base. Second in weighted RC+. plus, Second in runs. I could go on. This from Baseball Reference. Juan Soto, last 16 games played. 29 for 54. 19 walks. One hit by pitch. Four doubles. One triple. Five homers. His slash, 537, 653, 926. The last player to hit 500, 650, 900 in a 16-game span before Soto, Barry Lamar Bonds, 2004. When we're comparing a guy to Bonds, Ruth, Gehrig, Ted Williams, that was just a 16-game, but even the full season was the first one I just read. What are we talking about? What are we talking about who the MVP is? And one last thing before we go to Mark Borchard, it's now... You know, there, there are some hallowed records in Major League Baseball that are believed by most baseball nerds to have no shot at ever being broken. The most, the, the, perhaps the most foremost record is Joe DiMaggio hitting in 56 consecutive games, getting a base hit in 56 consecutive games. That's the record, the, the one that most people think can never be broken. Ted Williams reached base in 84 consecutive games. That's another one that people say, ah, oh, it's never going to be broken. One of the ones that is on that list, though, is the most consecutive plate appearances reaching base. And that record is believed to have no shot at ever being broken. That is 17. That is 17. And that is held jointly, and who could forget these performances? Earl Averill Jr. in 1962 for the Angels. And then, oh, well, this one, well, who could forget old uh, Piggy Ward? In 1893, doing it as well. Juan Soto has now reached base in 10 consecutive plate appearances. He's more than halfway there. I don't know what else to say. But he's now at plus 450. Two days ago, he was 30 to 1. He should be neck and neck with Harper. And by the end of next week, he should be 
your favorite to be the MVP. Mark Borchard is here from an undisclosed location somewhere in the desert in Arizona. Mark, you agree or disagree? Oh, I totally agree. And we talked about this on Tuesday. And here's what's super interesting to me as somebody who tracks Weighted Runs Creative Plus. Harper was at 172 on Tuesday when we talked about it. And Soda was at 161. And I said, well, if they use this Weighted Runs Creative Plus, Harper's got an 11-point gain or, or advantage on him. But since then, Soto is has picked up nine Weighted Runs Creative Plus points. So he's at 170. Bryce Harper's at 172, so they're neck and neck. I, that's almost impossible to do this late in the season because there's so many at bats. So that's just that's just fascinating to me that he could pick up that much in weighted runs created plus in that short amount of time. It's incredible, dude. There, there's you know there's graphs of like the pitches that he doesn't swing at. It's just it's unbelievable. Like if you miss the strokes strike zone, there are like there's no evidence of him ever swinging. It's just the most incredible thing. Anyway, we'll leave it at that. Just between your Robbie Ray 100 to one. And me and Jason's Juan Soto at 100 to 1. We could hit them both, perhaps, um, for AL Cy Young, where Robbie Ray is the favorite, and Juan Soto for the NL MVP, still with about uh, a week and a half of baseball left to go. Uh, I jammed you up on your picks the last couple times, so let's get your picks first here. What do you got today? Okay, I'm going to go with two first five inning games, and the first team I'm going to go with is the Mets. And I'm going to take a half run here. You can get it like plus a half, minus 115. The actual line is like plus 135, plus 140 on the five-inning line, which isn't a bad price either. And the reason I'm doing this is I have two models. The the crunch model has the Mets priced at minus 112 on the first five innings. And then I have another model that takes the three metrics and crunches that down and gives me a projection as well. And I have the Mets at minus 123. One of the things I wanted to say about this game that I thought was really interesting is Milwaukee at home since July 1st has a 90 weighted runs created plus, which is 26th in major league baseball. And I thought that was, that was a really interesting stat. And if you look at the Mets on the road, they're at a 101 weighted runs created plus in that same time frame. So for those reasons, I think this Mets plus a half, Minus 115 on the uh, five-inning line is is a good play, Gil. Okay. I was going to shout to Jeff. He's on your Mets, but you could could even win that with a tie. So you're not exactly. Uh, Mets plus a half for the uh, first five. And number two? Okay. This is the marquee matchup of the night. The Yankees and the Red Sox. And I'm going to play the under four and a half on the five-inning line. You can get it at about minus 115. It started at five, and it's really moved down, and I – I totally agree with a line. And before I get into the numbers that I have projected, uh, I want to just say this is, I think it's still Garrett Cole's uh, Cy Young to get. If he can pitch uh, really good tonight and then he's got another start, the way these markets are, the recency bias in these markets are, are incredible. Mm-hmm. But I think this is where Garrett Cole needs to make his money. And he had a bad start. If you look look at his last start, if you look at just the standard stats, uh, it wasn't very good. But if you go into the three metric chart, it was an 83rd percentile. I think he's going to have a good start. Eovaldi, he's got a good base winner run number. I think this four and a half, uh, I've got it projected at 3.6 runs. 
I think this is a good price in a playoff type atmosphere to, to go under in the first five innings, Gil. Yeah, I mean, and this and bears repeating. So you have the hundred one on Robbie Ray, I got the hundred one on Soto, but both of us are are you know we're honest enough to say we have no idea how the boat's going to go at the end. We're just telling you who we think is you know who should be the the winner. But the Garrett Cole point is a good one. Robbie Ray minus one ninety five right now at DraftKings to win the AL Cy Young. Garrett Cole plus one seventy. And it really is a mono, a mono at this point. And with Garrett Cole, there's also the New York bias, perhaps. We may have seen it with Tom Thibodeau. Not saying these guys aren't deserving, but saying maybe it's just the nudge they need over the finish line for these. Valid? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think so. Like, this is the grand stage here. And this is why, like, and, and, and Cole's numbers are really good. His base winner ERA, 2.76. It leads the American League. Robbie Ray second at 3.11. So, you know, we, we've struggled with, well, how is this, the substance going to affect Garrett Cole? But he's pitched pretty good by, by um, sabermetric stats. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ray's been really good, too. But I think that I think this tonight's game is it is his opportunity to make his case for the Cy Young. Gil. All right. So Mets plus a half first to five. And what was the Yankees Red Sox bet? It's under four and a half, uh, first five, minus 115. Okay, and as we let you go here, because we only have 45 seconds, Giants, one game lead over the Dodgers now with nine games left. Uh, looked like it could have been three at one point last night, and then it shifted. So it's only the Giants by one game, nine games left. But the Giants' schedule is now more favorable. What do your numbers say for the NL West title? Dodgers, 53.9%. Giants, 46.1%. So there's value now on the on the Dodgers. I think I saw it at plus 120 earlier. Once again, Mark Borchard failing to include Giants magic in his model. The failure, but we'll work on it this offseason. <laughs> Absolutely, Gil. Yes. And then there's the devil magic of the Cardinals, which is a whole nother session we're going to have to have. You got to put these things in the model. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. My pleasure, Gil. Have a good weekend. Parlay and I look at our contest entries at Circa Millions next. Right here on the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 